As you know, we've been talking about apps on Wednesday nights, phone apps or apps, applications, which are basically computer programs that supposed to be, if you apply them, if you turn them on and use them, they can help your life. Or I know we showed you one a couple weeks ago that was more of a waste of your life, maybe a waste of time there. So I thought tonight I might show you another one. Um, I should have made some video pictures of this, but instead I'm just going to play it for you. Does anybody here have Pandora radio on your phone? Maybe on your computer? Anybody? Maybe you've never heard of this before, but this is a great, a great app. The reason I like it is because you can pretty much play whatever song or style you want. You can type in a genre. You can type in a name of a song. You can type in an artist. So, for instance, um, I just I put in I've got a Chris uh, Tomlin channel. So here's what it sounds like. So what he does is what it does is it just goes to his songs and it literally will play songs of his or like his indefinitely as long as you have battery or if you have as long as you have that. Now, you can go to other stations, too. And um, like, for instance, I love this song. This has got to be my I hope it comes up with that song, actually. Doesn't always come up with the exact song you put in, but it'll have that style. Well, this. Anybody know who this is? Anybody? This is Israel Houghton. I love Friend of God. That's so. That's my Friend of God channel, but it didn't have him right there. But and here's my other most used channel on here. See if you recognize this. When it comes up. Where's it coming out of? Oh, it's not loud enough. Anybody hear that? Anybody hear it? <laughs> Look at my wife's going, oh. <laughs> I love, well, if you didn't like that song, you can just say, no, I don't want that song, and it'll never appear on your radio station again. But anyway, it's a great, it's a great tool for you to be listening to music. Is that better, hon? No? You don't like that either? I almost, I was putting on some piano solos just uh, yesterday, but I didn't, I, I got a phone call right in the middle of it, and it killed it, but. <laughs> so anyway, it is a tool that I use, and it's, it's a great tool to play in the office, you know, or wherever you're at. And as long as you have enough battery, you can do that, and it'll be a good time. What we're going to talk about tonight, though, out of the book of James, we are talking about uh, probably what James, this portion of Scripture, might be most famous for. And this is the app for the tongue. We're going to talk about how in the world could we ever control our tongue. Now, pastor kind of went there just a little bit on Sunday. How many remember when he did that? Remember what he did? Remember what he said? Now, are you raising your hands because that was, was it speaking to you? Those of you? <laughs> no, say, tell me, what was it? Anybody remember? Thank you. Thank you, Marcia. She said gossiping. Yes, exactly. He went right there and talked about it. Let me, let me just ask this, and by show of hands, I'm curious how many in this room have ever said something that you regretted? Ridiculous to even ask, isn't it? Yeah, let's say, yeah. How many today? How many in the last hour? I mean, it's easy to do that, isn't it? We're pretty careless when it comes to our, she's got two hands up over here. All right. Uh, We get careless sometimes. And wouldn't it be nice? I've never seen the movie, but I know, I know there was a movie where a guy had a remote control that he could rewind time. And I've often thought that would be nice. I mean, if you could pause and then skip back just a little bit and redo what you said, or if you could go in a time machine. I know we've all seen movies or TV shows that spin off that concept because it's something that, as human beings, it's a very common problem for us. We get ourselves in trouble and we say something we regret. And then once those words are out there, they're gone and you can't reclaim them. And we talk a lot. We do. We talk a lot. 
Uh, I was looking on the internet just to, just to do some research on this. Uh, there are 43 talk shows on TV every day. Different talk shows. I had no idea. I was thinking like 12, 15 maybe. But if you, if you include everything, I mean Univision, everything, 43 different talk shows. That doesn't include the radio or the internet. There's that many things being said out there. Just talk shows. And then I'm sure you've heard these statistics before about how many words men and women use. Typically, women are a little more uh, communicative than guys. And what I found was the average that most studies have shown is that women speak usually about 30,000 words a day and that men about 20,000 a day. Well, and, and then, you know what's true, though? It, what is interesting, but she said that was way, it's really way less than that. And it really can be way less than that. In fact, some sites, some websites that I looked at and some studies show that men actually speak a quarter to a fifth the amount uh, that women speak in words, quantity, you know, volume of words, which, which probably is true. And I know some of, some of your experience, you nod in your head, you think you would agree with that. You know what's interesting, though, I did read today that I had never read before because I wanted to check those numbers because it seemed a little low to me. <laughs> I don't know why 30,000 seemed low, but um, when I was checking some things, they were saying that not only is it about 30,000, but if women speak less than 20, they feel unsatisfied. Isn't that interesting? She said, he goes, yeah. <laughs> okay. So that kind of reminds me, I, I heard this, uh, these two guys were talking and the one guy says, aren't you a little frustrated? You can't get a word in edgewise is your wife. And the other guy says, well, aren't you frustrated that your wife always wants to have the last word? And the other guy goes, no, I'm just happy when she finally gets to it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Truth is, we're usually not very careful with our words. And uh, we need an app for taming the tongue, don't we? I mean, really. You think about this was written almost 2,000 years ago, and we still haven't conquered the problem. Nobody has. I don't care what culture you're in, what language you speak, where you're from. We all struggle with this. We just are careless with our words. And there's times where we can redeem ourselves or maybe slip out of it or twist it so it makes it sound like what you didn't mean. If you can endure another little joke, this guy, he's, he's a kid and he's, he's, uh, he's a bagger at a grocery store. So this, this lady comes up to him and says, um, uh, she goes, I'd like to just buy a half a head of lettuce. Head of lettuce sorry. <laughs> what did I say? Did I, I didn't cuss, did I? Okay, head of lettuce. Okay, so he goes, well, let me go ask the manager. So he goes back to the manager and he says to him, he says, uh, this old bag wants to buy a half a head of lettuce. He didn't realize she'd followed him back there. So as he turns around and her face is all, you know, her eyes are all big and, she, and he says, and then this lovely woman would like to buy the other half. Now that's quick if you can do that, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, and then... Um, why don't, we, why don't we actually go to Scripture and read it together? This section, it's, it's not a very long section, but it's definitely one of, I think, one of the most memorable sections in Scripture. And this, this version, I believe, is a, the New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, but if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a very large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a grand forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. 
It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Can I, can I demonstrate that for you for a second? Do you want to see that? Do you really? Yes. You, might, you right here, you two may be in danger. I'm not sure, but let's see. Let me just set this up for you here. I brought a prop here because I wanted to just show you this, how this works. Are you ready? You guys ready? Are you nervous? Are you really? Okay, well, you might, you might should be. Uh, as a prop, though, I'm going to show you this, how it can set on fire. Anybody know what this is? This is a pickle. And this? This is going to be fire. Are you nervous yet? Er? Oh, that's not good. Yeah, wait for me to get ready here before we... All right, are you ready? Okay, you guys ready? You're going to see how it really works. This is how it's set on fire by hell. Just kidding. There it goes. (laughs) Oh, baby. That doesn't look very good. Let me help this. Uh, Blow up and splatter? No. All right, that's good. That's good. You can see, though, how um, it can set a fire of hell. Kind of. But if the tongue is like that, set on fire from hell, let's keep reading. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come from pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. So we need an app for taming this tongue. How are we going to do it? Here's what I'd like us to do for a few minutes. I want to take us back to the first part of that scripture, and I want to look at it actually uh, one more time. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. One thing I'd like to do is actually help you with something, because I know none of us could attain perfection. And sometimes when we set the goal that high, I think some people just give up. And they say, well, this is just the way I am, and I'm not going to work on it. But I want to help you with that just a little bit, because when the Bible here says perfect, what it's actually talking about is maturity. It says you will be mature. We can attain that, I would hope. And we've all known people who were reckless with their mouth, and maybe they said things often that were reckless. Maybe it's a young person you know, and then you're thinking, well, when they get older, they'll, they'll, they'll mellow out. That's kind of what this is saying. That as you grow in Christ, you will mature. You may not become perfect, but you can mature. I want to read a little of it to you out of the uh, Amplified Bible. For we all often stumble and fall and offend in many ways. And if anyone does not offend in speech, in other words, never says the wrong things, he is a fully developed character, 
and a perfect man. That's the maturity. Able to control his whole body and curb his entire nature. So let's talk about this for a minute. Why is this, this tongue issue so difficult? And what's so important? Why do we need to work so hard to control it? The first thing that I think James is trying to tell us is that our tongue almost leads us around. It directs where you're going to go. Now, when I say that at first, it doesn't sound like it makes sense. But if you think about it for a minute, think about how many times your tongue has got you into trouble and taken you places you didn't intend to go. Because you said something, you boasted something, you, you put something out there that then you had to follow through on. Because it does that. And some of the things we say end up, end up writing things for us. Listen, let, let's think of it like this. Not only that, but it reveals where you're going. Because the direction or the bent that you have or the, the, the way that you're, you're positioned will be revealed by what you talk about. And James, as an example, talks about the bits in the horse's mouths. And I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but uh, I know Pastor talks about being a horseman. And my dad would grew up on a ranch around horses. My sister raised horses. I've been around a lot of horses. One of the things that always amazed me about them is they're just solid muscle. They're just enormous. And a thoroughbred can, can range anywhere in weight from about 1,500 to 2,000 pounds. It's an amazing, huge, huge animal. And at the same time, a jockey usually weighs about, they say the average weight of a jockey is about 115. And yet he controls that horse. He controls the speed, the direction, when it stops, everything. And a lot of times they even control the attitude of the horse based on who, who's riding it. It's amazing. I've seen people control horses in amazing ways. And our tongue does the same thing for us and controls literally our direction. A few years ago, I was kayaking in the ocean and I was heading out to some islands about 15 miles open water crossing. And what's funny about that is you're, you're in the ocean and you're seeing things, you know, close up. And then I saw something way, way, way in the distance. I was, I was kayaking to the Channel Islands. Well, the reason they call it the Channel Islands is because there's a really deep channel there. And what goes through those channels are tankers, super tankers going up and down the coast. So I looked off to my left and in the distance in the south, and I saw this little tiny thing there. And then as it got closer, I realized it's an entire city coming toward me. And not only did he not even see me, there's no way he could have seen me the size of me. But as he was coming, I mean, I had to do everything I could do to judge his speed, gauge where he was going, and just let him go where he needed to go. And then as he came by, it was the most amazing thing. I felt like I was looking at a skyscraper just pass by me. I mean, it was that big. I mean, at one point, it covered the sun, and it was just a shadow. Everything was dark. It was that enormous. They say that sometimes uh, these super tankers can be, can be uh, uh, over 1,500 feet long and weigh 565,000 tons. The largest cruise ship is about 1,000 feet long. So you think about the size of that, and yet it's controlled by a relatively small thing, just like our tongue. It drives us. It controls us. It sends us in certain places. The thing about it is, how many times has a careless word or a comment steered you in the wrong direction, even though it's so small? And thinking about that, you know, one small comment. Think about, think about how certain little comments or things you've said have, have changed the direction of your life. Like, I do. You ever think about that? <laughs> I will. I won't. No. Right? I mean, there's a lot of things we say that we, at the time we don't realize probably how far they're going to change us. Think about, I wasn't here when this happened, but was anybody here when the car went in the pond? 
And I'm sure that was just a little thing she did, whatever she did that made her car steer into the pond. And I'm sure we've all seen something like this where, you know, somebody says, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden I'm in this person's house. And I'm sure it was just a little tiny thing they did, but it changed the whole direction and the, the course of their life. I wonder if some of us might need to say less. You ever heard this, that saying that sometimes less is more <laughs> and it's good to just be quiet? I know there's some people that when they're nervous, they talk a lot. For me, I'm told my wife says it has something to do with caffeine, not necessarily nervousness, but there'll be times we'll be on a trip and she'll say, you just had coffee, didn't you? Like, why? I said, well, because you're just like this. You just want, you know. My first uh, ministry, when I first started in youth ministry, I was in my home church. And um, there was a man in our church when I was in high school. He was a private pilot and good guy who pitched on our baseball team. And he was just a great guy. And he would take us flying at different times and let us fly different planes that he was, he was contracted to fly. And he died in a tragic accident involved with the Navy. They were, doing, he would, they were flying as drones for the Navy. And it was a miscommunication and planes collided. And it was literally my first or second week in youth ministry. And I had to be there for his funeral, do his funeral. And I was sitting there with his daughter. And I can't tell you how many things I wanted to say. And I couldn't think of a good thing to say. I had nothing to say. And I remember walking out of there thinking, I'll never be a minister because <laughs> I, I didn't have anything. Couldn't think of one thing to say. And, you know, for years they would say, thank you so much for everything you did. And inside I'm looking back and thinking, I didn't say anything. I was just there. Which is sometimes that's all you really need to do. Sometimes we just need to be quiet just to shut up. Think about how sometimes... Shakespeare said this, brevity is the soul of wit. The Lord's Prayer has 56 words in it. The Ten Commandments, 297 words. The 23rd Psalm, 118 words. Gettysburg Address, 256 words. That's it. On the other hand, sometimes I think we sin by not saying anything. I think there are times where God wants us to use that tongue for his will, and we don't. For whatever reason, maybe we're insecure, maybe we're afraid, maybe we don't know what to say again, but the truth is there's times where we need to say something. Something needs to be said and we don't. James says, remember it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Another thing my tongue can do is it can destroy literally what I have. The tongue obviously is destructive. You think about how much pain in your life has been the result of of the tongue, yours or someone else's. I remember as a kid hearing that saying, sticks and stones can break my bones. Remember that? But words can never hurt me. And I know why we said that as kids, because we were trying to toughen kids up and tell them, don't, don't, let, don't, let, you know, don't let words control you and don't let what other people say control you. And I heard a saying just, just recently that just said that he who angers me owns me. I don't like that. You know, I don't want anybody to own me or aggravate me or anything. And I want to feel like I'm in control of my own destiny and my own feelings. I've heard counselors say, no one can make you feel anything that you don't give them permission to. And all that's true. But let's be honest, because we haven't been honest up to this point. But let's be honest now. Words matter, don't they? Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes people say things that maybe they regretted or maybe they meant to hurt. And they do hurt. Careless words can destroy a marriage, a career, a reputation. Someone else's reputation. 
For some of us, words just kind of echo in the back of our mind, almost like a tape recorder that plays and plays and plays. And in a quiet moment of doubt, you hear things that somebody said in your childhood. Or maybe when you're feeling rejection and alone, you hear those words again that somebody said. I said I will be... (laughs) Notice, Notice the verse reference, Psalm 39, 1 and then 3. I said I will be careful how I act and I will not sin by what I say. Then the psalmist says, I became very angry inside and as I thought about it, my anger burned, so I spoke. Oops is right. I love, I love David. He's just so honest. He just showed us all the flaws and all the human characteristics that we share. How many times have we spoken anger and so, so regretted it? Someone once said, the only tool that gets sharper with use is the tongue. It's an untamable beast, an animal. Have you noticed that there's times where you get with certain people and you just start to roll and it's just so easy to criticize and then you, you all just start doing it. It's like a vicious cycle that just keeps happening and you egg each other on and it gets deeper and deeper. And isn't that amazing how that happens sometimes? And you play off each other and maybe there's even certain people that you do that with. And then when you see them, though, that ends up being the topic of conversation. It's like when you're with that person, you run other people down or it's sad but true. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Not a lot of wiggle room there. Bless you. Not only is my tongue direct where I go, my tongue destroys what I have. My tongue also displays literally who I am. It reveals your character, the words that come out of your mouth, the attitude that your words convey. People will know everything about you, whether you're an optimist or a pessimist or critical person or angry, just by the words, how they come out and what they are. They say so much about what's inside. It's almost like it's a peak right inside your soul. Character defaming statements. You know, there's times where... um, People seem to think that the only thing you could do wrong with your mouth is to curse. But if, if that's all it is, I mean, that, that wouldn't be that. That would be easier to control. But it's more than that. I remember, I'll never forget my sixth grade teacher. She said something that I've never forgotten. She said, yeah, the reason people cuss is they're just not smart enough. They don't have a big enough vocabulary to express themselves better than that. So they only have a few words that express all of their emotions. And I remember as a sixth grader, I just hold, held on to that. And uh, that's been proven true over <laughs> over and over and over by people. In fact, I got to go to the Chiefs game, thank you, Nicole, last Friday night, and the two guys behind me pretty much illustrated their mental capacity right there. Statements, though, can be much more than just cursing. Character-defaming statements like, you're just like your father. You'll never amount to anything. You're just lazy. You just don't care. You're always going to be weak. People are always going to take advantage of you. Says right on your forehead, I'm an idiot. 
It's power in our words. It frames not only our thoughts, but our thoughts of others. In a way, it's, it's a way that we, we help ourselves feel better by shoving people in boxes where we feel like we're superior, that we can control them. He always, she never. When we say those kind of things, we don't allow for growth. We don't allow God to do things in people's lives that we want him to do in our own lives. You know what's interesting is that we are a church and we exist. One of the reasons we exist is because we believe God changes people. We don't believe people are fixed and stay the same. Now, of course, a lot of people will stay the same and maybe get worse because they're not going to try and they're not going to let God work in their life. But if, if people do let God work in our life, we know that they can change. I've changed. You've changed. You've seen it in other people. You know it can work. But when you curse people and say, oh, they'll never change, they're always going to be like that, you've literally denied the opportunity for God to change their life. Someone was saying to me just two days ago, I wish I could just see people the way God does, with all their possibilities and all the beauty that's inside. Because there's so many times where you see just what they've shown you, and maybe it's not the best side, and then you make a judgment on who they are and their entire life and everything that's gone in them, And yet there's a God who died for them, who loves them and has a plan for them that is far beyond our imagining. And we can't see it, but it'd be so nice to see it. It'd be nice if once in a while he would just, you know, remove the veil and let us see what he sees. You hear people say things like, I don't know what made me say that. It's not the real me. You know, you hear actors say that. Maybe they're caught in a drunken rage and think about, you know, Mel Gibson, for instance, or, or that Seinfeld character Kramer and They go off on some racist rant and then later say, no, 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 that's not really me. Unfortunately, it probably is them. Because from the heart, the mouth speaks. The whole idea of a Freudian slip, Freud didn't invent that, God did. I didn't mean it. Matthew says, from out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the truth. Whatever's in there eventually is going to come out. Whatever's in there, the more you move around, and some of it's going to spill out, and people are going to see the real you and know exactly what you're thinking and what's going on inside. It's your inner person, your inner character, and it's going to matter. And the problem is, the bottom line is, hurt people hurt people. And when it comes right down to it, when the heart is hurt and wounded, it comes out of the mouth, and you can see it. And they endeavor to hurt other people. Harsh people, harsh words, profanity, anger, cursing, critical, bitter hearts, insecurities, negative attitudes, fearfulness, boastful bragging, insecure, crude. Ephesians, this is another tough verse with not a lot of wiggle room. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. You guys know that? The end of that says, against such there is no law. I've been really thinking about this lately a lot, and I don't know what, it, what I'm going to do about it, but I've been thinking a lot about the fact that Christianity is really a nice religion. You ever thought about that? We're nice. That's why it's easy to be taken advantage of by Islam or some of these other religions, because we're nice. We're, we love our enemies, <laughs> and we don't say bad things. We only say what encourages people. But think about the power in that, the power in that, the power that flows from God himself, because that's what he wants. And that's how he created us. And that that 
niceness conquers the world. Conquered the whole world. Those early Christians didn't have any power or prestige or position or money or weapons or armies or anything. And they conquered the entire world based on this love. Powerful. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. You know, um, we need this app, this tongue app really bad. So what is it? What's the answer to this? How do we do it? I kind of gave it away a little bit a minute ago. It's we get a new heart. If the heart is different, then what comes out is going to be different. If what inside is good and wholesome and of God, then that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If there's other things coming out of your mouth, that might be a good opportunity for you to kind of investigate and say, oh, I wonder what's in there. What needs to change? One of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. That's something that God gives us a gift. He gives us a fruit that is he, the more of him is in us, then less of us will come out and more of him will come out. I think of it like this. Fred, I said the other day, Christians, a lot of times they may they, they act like they want to walk in the gifts of the spirit, but not in the fruit of the spirit. We all want to speak in tongues and prophesy. But how many of us really want to walk in the fruit of the spirit? That's the hard part. That's a hard thing is walking in the fruit of the spirit. The app that we need is a new, new heart. Look at even in Ezekiel, it says this. Put all your rebellion behind you and find yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. A new heart and a new spirit. And where does that come from? That's not something you work harder for or, or, or take a pill for or none of that. What this is is something that God does in you. What this means is that those who become Christians become new persons. They are not the same anymore. For the old life is gone and a new life has begun. A new life has begun. We need to ask God to guard our heart. One thing that I think we make a mistake as Christians is we, is we, we start to feel like maybe we have a little success in our walk with Christ and we forget where that comes from. We start to think, oh, I'm a pretty good guy. Do you know what? It's him who makes us good. He does the work. He's the one. And if you get that straight and you realize that he needs, you need him to guard your heart, then those attitudes and things will change. Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And then those are the things that are going to come out of your mouth. If those are the things that are on your mind, then that's what's going to come out of your mouth over and over and over. I, 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 sorry. Uh, there are times when um, you get with certain people, remember I mentioned, and you may, maybe it was gossip or criticalness, but one thing that guys do is it seems like we always end up talking like uh, about bathroom sounds or, or, um, you know, or women or, you know, those, that's what guys end up doing. And it's almost as if you gravitate toward that lowest common denominator. Remember that from math? It's like the lowest thing you have in common. There have been groups of friends of mine who are good Christian guys who we literally had to stop each other and say, recognize what's going on, call it what it is, and say, look, we, we have got to stop this. When we're around each other, we have to not do this, not sink down into that kind of talk. It's, it's an intentional thing we do. 
And then it's a process where you're asking God, God, help me. Help me not let my mind go there. God, help me not be critical. God, help me not be negative today, not gossip today, not think sexual thoughts, not be hurtful, not be judgmental. God, I don't want to be like that today. Help me do that. <laughs> you may have heard your parents say this, but you know what? James is almost like your mom, isn't he? I mean, you read him and you th- I can just hear my mom saying these things because it's, so, it's such plain, honest, just the way it should be. How many of you remember back when they had cars that had uh, clutches? Anybody remember that? Anybody have one still? They are so fun to drive. Are you the one with that Jeep out there? That's a nice Jeep. Well, anyway, think about it like this. If you remember how that worked, you got to push the clutch in before you shift or what? Or you're grinding gears, right? So you need to engage this first. Push this in first before you engage that mouth so, so it doesn't grind all up. <clears throat> James again, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So what does your mouth say about you? What if, I'm trying to bring this to a close for a minute for us. What if everything we said was available to all and everybody knew it? What if? What what if, you know, they say that everything you've texted is out there somewhere and can be tre- retrieved by somebody. Every word. But what if everything you said, even with just your friends, ah, I was just joking, I was just kidding. What if all those things could be retrieved? Read by your wife, read by your pastor, read by, <laughs> he's like, I don't want to read them. Read by a friend, read by an enemy. What if they were there and available to you for them to read? What if, what if, what would it say about you? What would it say about who you are in love with and who you really cared about? What would it say about your relationship with God? What would it say about, about what's really in here? What, what if we said more words like this, transforming words, like please, please, and thank you. You know, I'm so amazed when, when I'll be somewhere and someone will say, yes, sir. You know, a young guy or something. And at first, it used to bother me like, sir, come on. Do you know what? When a kid has manners like that, it's amazing. And I find myself doing that as often as possible. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Just giving people that respect. Please, thank you. How about, I'm sorry, I love you. I'm praying for you. You're right. I was wrong. How can I help you? What I'd like is for you to shut your eyes for a minute. We, um, I think it'd be safe to say that we all need work on this. Because the truth is, Every one of us have heart issues that need to be fixed by God himself. All of us. I'm wondering who here tonight needs a new heart. That maybe as I've been talking tonight, that the Holy Spirit has talked to you about some heart issues that you have that that he wants to deal with. 
things that he wants to work on with you, heart issues. Something that just between you and him that you need to talk with him about. I'm wondering, with your eyes closed, I'm just curious, anybody have that? You can just raise your hand real quick. Thank you for your honesty there. My second call to prayer for you tonight is this. I'm wondering if there's anybody that maybe as we've been talking that that maybe there have been some words that have been said to you that you need God just to purge those from your memory, from your mind, heal those parts that are aching and hurting. Things that have been said that, that have wounded you for years. God, he knows what those are and he loves you and he cares about your deepest hurt. Wondering, anybody like that? You just need God to heal some of those places. Thank you. I'm going to invite you to pray tonight. Please spend some time as Nick leads us in prayer. I mean, leads us in worship. Let me pray for us. God, I'm first for those who are wounded and have places in their hearts that need, need healing. God, I ask that you would heal. That you and your, your infinite love and, and wisdom and care for us fully knowing the situation, God, that you would come in and that you would heal. That you would take those places and, and make, them, make them places that, that no longer hurt anymore. Father, I pray also for our hearts, those, that, those of us that raise our hands and those of us who didn't, but just that, that we have areas in our heart that need healing, that need changed. God, some of us are angry some of us are bitter or negative or God, some of us are just tired and frustrated. And God, I pray that you would take and remake our heart, that you would help us to guard our lips and the things that come out of our mouth, that you would do that in us tonight. Give us a new heart tonight. Let's spend some time before Miss Nick leads us.